Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to episode 23 of the Strange Catholics podcast. We're going to cover just a little bit of Catholic news. We're going to talk about Advent, why Advent, even though we're going to be entering the fourth week, probably by the time you can hear this. Our saint spotlight this week is St. John of Canty. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we place ourselves before you. We ask your Holy Spirit to be with us, to enlighten within us your words your spirit, your truth. We ask that we continue to be open to the moving of your spirit. We ask blessings on all those that hear this conversation, that you would bless this time. In this time of anticipation, of waiting, waiting for the Christ child, let our hearts be ever open to how transformative your son becoming incarnate was for this world. Let us draw deeper into this mystery through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. For Catholic amen. News, amen. we'll turn it over to Bob. Hey, we're just going to do this quickly. Hi again, everybody, and welcome, my brothers. All right, so there's just one quick thing. Um, well, there's more than one, but there's the main thing I want to talk about this week. So we linked it. It'll be in the show notes from uh, the Catholic News Agency talking about who speaks for American Catholics. It's a good article for you to go and read. And it talks uh, about both sides of this, you know, with this turbulent political situation and and Catholics, because we are split. Right. I mean, I mean, we're split more during this election than we were during the 2016 presidential election. And it talks about. um uh, the incoming Biden administration maybe being uh, a little bit antagonistic towards um, Catholic institutions. I, I personally would say let's just wait and see. But typically, maybe Democrats are a little bit more antagonistic towards our belief systems than yeah. than Republicans are. And then uh, it goes on to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things we talked about in the past about the commission or the working group that's being set up, Catholic bishops that made you know that have made some overtures towards supporting the current president and some of those rallies that they've had about the election fraud and stuff like that it's just a good article for you to read to give you kind of a kind of a snapshot of both sides it's not a real long at all uh you know what i would just kind of sum it up this way is we've been through a lot of hoops in the last month plus on this almost two months electoral college has spoken we have a president-elect 
and there has been any, no substantiated fraud allegations that a court has upheld, including the Supreme Court. So we need to move on, right? I mean, we all have to live with the presidents that we're going to have, no matter who it is. And that's not me supporting one or the other. That's just saying that's what the people have spoken. So I think that's what the church's message is and should be. But obviously, we're humans, right? We have beliefs and stuff like that. So it gets a little muddy and a little complicated in there. Don't you think so, Phil? It gets a little muddy. Absolutely. But again, as you said, you know, what can we do to continue to deepen? Our, this article really does, I think, a really good job of trying to show both sides of the argument and and speaks to how we can seek that healing as a nation, especially as American Catholics, and continue to it doesn't mean we're laying down on any of our any of those things that are important to us as Catholics, but it just means, okay, now how are we going to approach this next chapter, this president? Um, so I, I think it's important for healing to start because um, it looks like there's, yeah, there's not another means for things to turn around. So this is it. The electrical co- the electoral college has spoken. Now we move forward. Hey, and right, and it doesn't mean, and sorry, I'll let Terry in here in a sec, but it doesn't mean that we don't hold the Biden administration, you know, accountable for their Correct. actions. Right. Okay. Their pro choice views. Um, you know, I, I'll do it right here. President Biden, um, you know, an administration, how about, you know, putting a, a, a partial birth abortion bill? And, and working on a bipartisan basis, starting from there, at least things that we can all come to a, agreement on. I don't even think we can come to agreement on things that make complete sense, like parental notification and the you know late term abortions and stuff like that. That's how radically polarized we've got. That's something that I think that they can do to, you know, to help. You know, I don't think it's not far enough for Catholics, but at least a start. Right. So we should at least be trying to reach out to our representatives and that administration to have those conversations. Terry. Thank you, Bob. Um, gentlemen, I, yes, absolutely, I agree. Um, the Electoral College has spoken, and now is a time for America to once again become the United States of America and not the divided states of America. We need to come together as a nation and rally around our leader. And by all means, as Americans, as our First Amendment right guarantees us, free speech, speak up when our when we feel that our president is not holding our values and what we hold dear to us in his decisions and his cabinet's decisions on, you know, in law. But by the same token, we as Catholics and we as people of God need to, number one, support this president because this is what the American people have chosen as their leader, as per our democratic system. Whether, you know, people think it's fraud and they can still carry on for years about that, it's it's time to put that rhetoric aside. It's time to stop and turn our eyes to God and know that this country is the great United States of America. And 
we need to come together as a nation to heal. And it all starts in our churches with our our priests, our leaders, our bishops coming together and saying and preaching about that and talking about that and saying, let's sit down and have conversations with people, with the other side, and let's come together. I know I've said that several times, but we really need to come together now. Said, and, we're going to start singing a Beatles song. <laughs> but it's a it's a time for conversation, not for shouting. Well, right. So, you know, we need we need to move on, especially in a pandemic. You know, and there's light at the end of the tunnel. So just to transition to a little bit more in the news and then we'll finish up here and get into the main topic. The other, a a lot of the other news that's out there right now is really dovetails off of this. Where we talk about the divisive parts of this because people are picking sides, right? The right or the left. And even in the Catholic world, we're doing that. Okay is the other articles that have come out that said, hey, the vaccine's out here, the vaccine's okay. You should take the vaccine. We've had some bishops take the vaccine. There was one in Miami that took it as a good example. There's other, we talked about it on the last podcast about it's okay to take the vaccine um, and so on. It's morally acceptable to take the vaccine, but we still have this huge part and it's a lot of folks that were Trump supporters, too, and, and Trump is supportive of the vaccine and did a lot of great work with Operation Warp Speed to get the vaccine done quickly. So so I think we need to come together, you know, with things like the vaccine, understand what the vaccine's for. And, uh, you know, as you said, uh, Terry, it's time to become United States again. The last thing I would add is the other articles you see out there are all these courts saying that churches can continue to have church which is which is a wonderful religious freedom thing it's a complicated deal during covid right i i I will i will give governors and and uh mayors um some slack i don't think they are trying to punitively attack churches the catholic church or other churches because they're talking about all churches and a lot of those folks are wonderful Christian people who go to church, right? Um, I think they think that's the best public health. Um, but I think that churches are so crucial and so important during the pandemic that, and they have shown to to be, for the most part, responsible. There's been a few radical fringe ones that have said no masks and all this other stuff, which have caused some problems. But for the most part, especially in the Catholic Church, we've seen uh, really fairly strict protocols, sometimes stricter than we all agree with. And so that's a lot of the other news that's out there. A lot of um, Catholic dioceses and bishops and cardinals challenging those rules, similar to what happened in Brooklyn with the governor of New York. So so let me open it up to you guys both for any final comics in, comments in the news. I think I'm po- the guy that's pointing, so I got to go over to Phil because he's got something to say. I do have some really good news for those that attend weekly mass or any religious service. They are the only group of people that Gallup polled that actually 
um, got better as far as their rating for mental health as excellent. Every other group fell. So I will also link to this in the show notes, but really that importance of taking time every week, even if you can't attend in person, um, taking that time to set aside Sunday as a special day, praying through the scriptures, making it a prayerful day set aside for the Lord, those have an enormous impact on our mental health. So just seeing some positive news, even though the study itself is not so positive, at least we can see that weekly religious service attendance actually rose, went up four percentage points from 2019. So this is a a very positive news for those that are able to attend religious services weekly. Having the availability to get to whatever religious service, church, mass, whatever you attend, um, definitely, you know, during a time like this where we can still gather as a community and come together and worship our God and honor our God on the Lord's Day, I I can't imagine a downside to that, whether you're watching it, you know, whether you're participating in a uh, place of worship or through a live stream, there's all plus and no negative to it. Let's talk Advent. Let's do this. So I I didn't want to read a bunch. I'm going to link to a lot of information that's out there, but Advent has been around for a long time. There's a little varying degrees because it used to, for especially for France, it actually started uh, on the uh, feast of Martin of Tours, um, and it would go, so it was a longer Advent season. It was more penitential in the, uh, the French observance. Uh, the Roman observance, those that were in or near around Rome, theirs was a shorter season, a four-week season. So there's a difference in how this season has kind of evolved over the years. But no matter, you know, now we're at this, you know, four-week time frame. And now in the time frame that we have, we have our first two weeks, uh, two and a half weeks or so that are kind of that preparation for the second coming. We're anticipating the Lord's coming. And then we see a change on our third week of Advent, where now we're starting to focus on the Christ child. And the beautiful thing about our church is that we have these gifts that she gives. So we have these O antiphons that start on the 17th and continue through the 23rd. I'll link to those as well, because I think they also bring a beautiful dimension to what our how our church is preparing for the Christ child, how we're moving our hearts ever closer to Christ's presence within us and among us and around us. So I'm going to link to all those things. I want to le- read a couple really beautiful, these are excerpts from uh, Pope Benedict, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI's um, spiritual thoughts. And he's talking about kind of some things about Advent, and I think there's some powerful words here. I want to keep this. We're going to Pope Emeritus Benedict's homily at first Vespers of Advent, November 28, 2009. Advent, this powerful liturgical season that we are beginning, invites us to pause in silence, to understand a presence. It is an invitation to understand that the individual events of the day are hints that God is giving us signs of the intention he has for each one of us. In this time of waiting, of anticipation, 
there's so much chaos and just all this stuff going on. If we can quiet our, our, try to quiet ourselves as best we can and just sit and listen to our Lord, open up any of the the infancy narrative in Luke or Matthew's gospel and just slowly pray through that as a family or even individually and just listen to those words and listen to what our, how miraculous it is that God would become incarnate and how the world prepared for many millennia before his coming for that moment and how that moment literally changed the world. You know, for unto us a child is born. It's probably one of my favorite lines, you know, just of a quick quip, especially on this nearing this Christmas season, still in this mo- this time of Advent, of waiting, of anticipation. So I'll, Pope Benedict, uh, the general audience in 2006 has this about waiting, which I will close out with, and then I'll listen to what Terry has to say. But the question is, is the humanity of our time still waiting for our Savior? One has the feeling that many consider God as foreign to their own interests. Apparently, they do not need him. They live as though he did not exist, and worse still, as though he were an obstacle to remove in order to fulfill themselves. Even among believers, we are sure of it. Some let themselves be attracted to enticing dreams and distracted by misleading doctrines that suggest deceptive shortcuts to happiness. Yes, yet despite its contradictions, worries and tragedies, and perhaps precisely because of them, humanity today seeks a path of renewal, of salvation. It seeks a savior and awaits, sometimes unconsciously, the coming of the Savior who renews the world and our life, the coming of Christ Jesus, the one true Redeemer of man and of the whole of man. I'll link to more of these beautiful, quick little thoughts it's, uh, from usccb.org, but I'll turn it over to Terry if he has any thoughts on the things that we've already talked about. For me, Advent is especially poignant this year. We're talking about a time of waiting, a time of anticipation, as we are anticipating the possible end of a worldwide pandemic. Um, The correlation there, I mean, really, if you look at this in in a broader view through how I see it through the church's eyes, you know, we shut things down in March, mid-Lent. We had that dryness, that absence of the Eucharist, the absence of the availability of Mass, that longing in our heart to get back to church, to be reunited with uh, not only the Eucharist, but re- be reunited with our church family, Uh, We got through the Easter season, we got to Pentecost, this great feast of the Holy Spirit, and boom, we're back in church. Now, here we are in Advent, and we're waiting, and we get this news right as Advent is beginning that, hey, there's a vaccine out there. And it, you know, it, it looks very strongly like it could, you know, stop the spread of the coronavirus. So, 
I I just see it as two great seasons of hope for us as Catholics, as believers in God. And for me, it it really causes me to maybe look to God even more because he has been there throughout this entire storm to lead us and be the reassurance that we have as Catholics during this stressful, darkened time. And I, and I kind of think back to, you know, in the story of the birth of Jesus, there was a lot going on in Bethlehem in that region of the world. You know, those people were under the grips of Roman oppression. Rome had a very firm grip on the throat of the people of Jesus' time. So and it was even darker, you know, in my estimation, than, 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 you know, it seems like now. But all of a sudden, this great light comes in, this birth of a Savior. And now we get to remember that birth of a Savior in the midst of our darkness. How absolutely perfect. First and foremost, Christmas is not the most important time for Christians, right? It's Easter, so we just clarified that. But hopefully everyone listening to this podcast knows that, right? But Christmas is pretty, uh, you know, the um, Advent and the Christmas season is pretty important to us, right? And so I would echo that it's hope, right? And it is, it is kind of prophetic that it's, you know, during this time of despair, that we're starting to see the hope now during this period of time. So I would agree with that. Um, so, it, it, and I don't want to go long because you guys did it, but I mean, it just really is a very special time. I do think that the, uh, the uh, rose colored uh, vestments on the third Sunday aren't exactly the, the greatest in the world, but you know, that's my personal opinion. Only if your priest wears them, right? Uh, and they did, and they said, oh, by the way, these are rose, not pink, because real men, real men wear rose. Wear rose. <laughs> you know. And that, For that God that day, rejoice Sunday. Right, right, Amen. right, yeah, yeah. So, no, it's just a beautiful time, and, and you know, it really is a time where all mankind on this earth really does come together, even other faiths, right, that are not even Christians, right? I mean, there's, it's just a, what, what the birth of Christ does is it proliferates, right? So, you know, Jews have Hanukkah, um, you know, other, other faiths have other time, other special events, and so on. But as, as a people, we're generally much nicer and much, you know, more happy, even though there's a hustle and puzzle. And then there's the consumerism retail side of things, but there's more parties. And I know that somewhat gets away from, but, but, but that is, that's just part of the whole package, right? You know, people say Merry Christmas. Hopefully they say Merry Christmas. They shouldn't say happy holidays, but even those who aren't Christians say happy holidays. So it's still a, it's a joyous time, you know, even if they don't want it to be a joyous time, 
uh, due to Christ's birth because they're a pagan, for example, and they say happy holidays, they're still, there's, I mean, they're still kind of de facto identifying that by saying that type of stuff. Right. I wouldn't disagree with that. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Of the year. Nice. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, so I wanted to highlight that for a lot of kind of that, com as Bob mentioned, that commercial, right? They start Christmas selling, I mean, this year real early, even before yeah. Halloween, right? They were they were like putting Labor Christmas Day. stuff out. Yeah, they were putting Christmas stuff out in September. But for uh, uh, us as Catholics, as Christians, Christmas starts on December 25th and it continues. So it, it doesn't right. end there. So I just wanted to highlight that, that. We don't put away all of our Christmas decorations on December 26th, the great feast of the first Christian martyr. Um, so we keep it up and we keep it up because Christmas just started and it continues. Amen. Although, so just I wanted to highlight that before we move on yeah, to our beautiful St. John of Canty. I guess it's time for us to take a commercial to pay some bills. So if you want to advertise on this podcast, please let us know. We we certainly have available uh, slots for you to fill in. So Send we're going to take an this email. Quick... <laughs> yeah, at Strange Catholics, whatever. We'll say it at the end of the broadcast. Go ahead. StrangeCatholicsBot at gmail.com. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. And we're back, and it's the Saint Spotlight, and Terry's going to talk about it now. Well, thank you, Bob. And uh, good evening. Uh, once again, everyone, or good morning, wherever you're listening to this. Um, we are featuring St. John of Canty, also known as St. John Cantius, or St. John Cantius, if you're from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Uh, his feast day is December 23rd. He is the patron saint of the University of Krakow and the countries of Poland and Lithuania. It is in keeping with his personal history that he is one of the most obscure saints on the church's liturgical calendar. His life was like that of a flat plain without great events jutting up like the mountains from the even everyday terrain. St. John was a humble scholar who sought no legacy through wealth, fame, property, marriage, or offspring. St. John of Canty was born at Canty near Oshvium, uh, in the Diocese of Krakow, Poland. He was the son of Stanislaus and Anne, who were pious country people. He received his primary education at his native town and then being sent by his parents to the Academy of Krakow. He soon impressed his professors and colleagues with his pleasant and amiable disposition. Always happy but serious, humble, and godly, he won the hearts of all who came in contact with him. Having made excellent progress in the study of philosophical and theological sciences, he was graduated first as a bachelor, then as a master, and then as a doctor. He was also ordained a priest and then appointed professor of theology at the Academy of Krakow. He was a serious man and a good teacher. He ate no meat, slept on the floor, and rested little. Though John was hard on himself, he was patient and kind to his students, 
who loved him in return. Rivals who resented John's popularity with the students had cooked up false charges against him. John was not even allowed to appear at his own hearing or testify in his own defense. So at the age of 41, he was shipped off to be an apprentice pastor at Olka's Bohemia. He took his position seriously and was terrified of this responsibility, but he did his best. And despite the energy he put into his new job, the parishioners still remained hostile towards St. John. But John's plan was very simple, and I absolutely love this. Or He came not from trying to win them over in with their minds, but from the heart. His genuine interest and concern for these people did show in everything he did. Despite working for years without any sign of success, he was very careful not to demonstrate impatience or anger. He knew that people could never be bullied into love, so he gave them what he hoped they would find in themselves. After after several years in his parish, he returned to Krakow. He had been so successful that these once hostile people of his parish followed him for several miles down the road out of town, begging him to stay with them. John was a serious man and humble, but known to all of the poor of Krakow for his kindness. His goods and his money were always at their disposal, and time and time again, they did take advantage of him. He kept only the money and clothes he absolutely needed to support himself. He slept a little, ate sparingly, and took no meat. He, beg- he made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, hoping to be martyred by the Turks. Later, John made four subsequent pilgrimages to Rome, carrying his luggage on his back. When he was warned to look after his health, he was quick to point out that for all their austerity, the fathers of the desert lived remarkably long lives. For the rest of his life, he was a professor of sacred scripture at the University of Krakow. In physics, he also helped develop Jean Burden's theory of impetus, which uh, which anticipated the work of Galileo and of Newton. He was also so well-liked that he was often invited to dinner with nobility. Once he was turned away at the door by a servant who thought John's cassock was too frayed. John did not argue, but went home, changed into a new cassock, and returned. During the meal, a servant spilled a dish on John's new clothes. No matter, joked St. John, my clothes deserve some dinner too. If it hadn't been for them, I wouldn't be here at all. Once John was sitting down to dinner when he saw a beggar walk by outside. He jumped up immediately, ran out, and gave the beggar the food in his bowl. He asked no questions, made no demands. He just saw someone in need and helped with what he had. He died while living in retirement at his alma mater on 24 December 1473 at the age of 83. His remains were interred at the Collegiate Church of St. Anne, where his tomb became and remains a popular pilgrimage site. At the time of his death, John was so well-loved that his veneration began immediately. 
For years, his doctoral gown was worn by graduates receiving advanced degrees at the University of Krakow. John Cantius was beatified by Rome by Pope Clement X on the 28th of March, 1676. He was named patron saint of Poland and Lithuania by Pope Clement the the 12th in the year 1737. 91 years after his beatification, St. John was canonized on the 16th of July, 1767 by Pope Clement the 13th. Perhaps his best lesson for us, especially in these days of increasing communication, lies one of his favorite sayings to his pupils. Fight all false opinions, but let your weapons be patience, sweetness, and love. Roughness is bad for your own soul and spoils the best cause. St. John Canty. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. But what I love about some of these guys, we have some today, but a lot of them are historic, right? They were, they were very much involved in, you know, science and innovation and a lot of things that were really, really important, you know. You know, I mean, I think the most important thing was he was a saint, right? And he was, but I mean, you know, you you could make the argument, some would probably make the argument, it's like, well, he did some stuff that Galileo took. I mean, that's, now we're getting to some big name dropping. I, I think he has a good lesson for us for simplicity, service mm-hmm. to others. And I think especially in this very commercialized world that we live in, I think there's a lot we can draw from looking to his example of simplicity of giving what he had to others. Um, you know, just looking at that more minimal, what do I, what do I need versus what do I want? And so I think he helps draw out, especially in this, you know, so much, you know, there's so much commercialization of uh, what the secular culture just looks at as Christmas buying before Christmas. Right. Um, I think he's a good example to draw back and reflect on, what are the things that we need? What are the things we can give to others? How can we be of service? So even if we're stuck at home, we're still seeing how we can serve those in our home or how can we serve a meal to those that we're living with uh, out of charity and love. There is the wonder of simplicity. There is. There is. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Especially, I'll just add this, especially after having served on a mission trip a few years back and seeing how simply other cultures live uh, certainly does pale in comparison to, uh, to how we live or our culture pales in comparison, I should say. Well, we need stuff, right? We got to buy stuff. We need stuff. And you know, the, the thing that sometimes is complicated about the, the stuff acquiring for us is as much as we say we want to declutter and simplify our lives. Um, and we do live in a community consumeristic society. Mm-hmm. All those people we know who work in that service industry in retail and all that other stuff, and they're making the majority of their money during this time frame. So yep. when we're buying stuff from yep. them, we're 
helping them feed their families. So it's, it's a, it's not as simple, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more complicated. We're so interconnected. All right. So we've come to the end of podcasts for 2020. Wow. What a year. 23 <laughs> podcasts. Wow. Did we, when did we start this? Okay. So we did this, what, about seven months, six months, seven, six? Six-ish months. Okay. Did six months. So we only did half a year. But, um, wow, it's been, it's been good. And we appreciate everyone for listening. We never thought we'd get this far. Um, we never thought we'd do one. Right. But we're, we've got to 23 and, Indeed. you know, and before the show, we talked about all the wonderful things that we're going to do in 2021. So expect the show to just get better and more dynamic and our listenership to just balloon out of control in short, uh, in short term here. All right. So thanks for listening. Thanks everybody. Once again, for tuning in, uh, please go and rate our podcast. Please rate our podcast. Please rate it five uh, on all podcast platforms. Most people go to Apple Podcasts, but it's on all podcast platforms. I'm not going to name them all. But any place you get a podcast, it's there. You can get it on Anchor as well. Um, And leave us a comment. Leave us a prayer intention. We need that stuff. Helps improve our show. We're part of this community of prayer. We want to pray want to pray with you and for you so please leave us that information and you can leave that information where strange catholics at gmail.com or click the link to leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash strange catholics okay so before we go to uh closing prayer does any of my brothers have any parting 2020 words for the folks Stay prayerful. (laughs) Please stay prayerful. Um, Continue to pray. Really dive into the mystery of the incarnation. And I may or may not have a Christmas surprise episode out. So just stay tuned and let us, please give us your feedback. We've been wanting to hear more from other people on show ideas and prayer intentions. And it's kind of dwindled out a little bit. So please send that in because we can all lift each other up and your ideas help fuel the show. Also, let's uh, let's keep our eyes on to God. No matter what goes around us, what swirls around us, always focus on God. All right, so it's time for closing prayer. Terry, can you lead us in prayer? Thank you, Bob. Gentlemen, let's begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious and heavenly Father, who are our light and our joy in times of darkness and despair, as well as times of happiness and great exuberance. God, we just lift up our prayers to you as we close out uh, our 2020 year, a year that certainly been um, not what we expected January 1st of 2020. God, we let's we look to you, we praise your holy name, and uh, we lift up in prayer all expectant mothers and those that are looking to become pregnant, that Mary, the mother of our Lord, wrap all these women in her veil of protection. For Caleb, 
who is suffering with thoughts of suicide, may the Holy Spirit bring the light of the Lord into his darkness. For Diane and her family, and for all those who have lost a loved one, may God grant them peace and comfort in their grief. And for healing in our country as we prepare for a new president to take office. May God grant us all peace and wisdom. God, we lift up these prayers and all the prayers, both spoken and unspoken, and we just offer them up to you for your sanctification and your glory, because you are the one we need to look to. And so we just lay these at your feet as we pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That was wonderful. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate you staying with us. Please stay with us as we go forward into a new and wondrous year. Merry Christmas to everybody, and we'll see you in 2021. And until 2021, love you, brother. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day. And may God bless you.